You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Aesthetically Speaking. We're so excited to have you today. We are on the letter G in the alphabet, which is G is for government. And before you skip this episode, let us justify why we think this is going to be relevant and interesting, because we're thinking not just government, but public use, standardization, all of the things that go into something being for everybody, quote unquote. So that's kind of the angle that we're taking it today. Anything else that you want to add to that? I just say, yeah, we're not just looking at what is the mayor of your town doing (laughs) for his brand? That would be super interesting, but (laughs) we're thinking about it more broadly. Yeah. What are public service announcements, Mm -hmm. government agencies that do have their own brand, the evolution of how governments communicate with the people, I think that's super interesting. Before I became a lawyer, I worked for a little bit uh, for some elected officials. Mm -hmm. I happened to be in that job right when it was starting to be acceptable for a public official to have a Twitter account. So interesting. And it it seems now like that's so obvious. It's such a part of our normal life that government officials and corporations talk to us on social media the same way Mm -hmm. that we talk to our friends and family. But That actually wasn't a thing even like 10 years ago. And so a lot has changed since then. And I think we'll arrive at this point eventually. But the importance of branding is not just for people who are trying to sell. Mm -hmm. It's for people who are trying to persuade others. And that includes government officials too. 100%. I was going to say there is kind of an assumption that you only need a brand if you have a clear business. I think even people who think, well, I'm not selling a product. I'm a personal brand or a professional services or whatever, but I think everybody can benefit from the principles of branding because branding is about communicating your message more clearly. Yeah, I like that. So what should we start with? I think we should start with what makes something look governmental or official. Yes. I thought of this initially because Abby sent us, what's it called? The court decision. Oh, it's a judicial opinion. A judicial opinion. Sorry. So Abby sent our group chat a judicial opinion, and I thought, even without reading any of these words, I can tell that this is a government thing, right? And I think you get that same sense, like when you go to the DMV and they give you the form to fill out, you can just tell when something is done by a government organization as opposed to a private company. And I think the number one thing is just the lack of design in a lot of things. Like It is literally as simple as possible where Mm. they're not adding any icons. They're not adding anything that could make it more fun or more interesting. It is just the information that you need and nothing more. I also feel like there's a strong sense when something is in that Times New Roman all caps font where you're like, oh, this must be an official document. Right. This must be serious from serious people. Right. And I don't always love serif fonts in all caps, but I use that same principle sometimes when I'm like, hey, I want you to know that this is, I mean, business when I say this kind of thing. I've also noticed that a lot of government things have, it's kind of this interesting juxtaposition because on the one hand, they don't have anything more than you need, right? But then at the same time, that judicial opinion, I was like, there's like three cover pages before I even get to the meat of what this is. And I think some people would say government is equivalent to red tape bureaucracy, bureaucracy, all of this stuff. But I think there is a carefulness in that. Like there is intention and they want to make it very clear what this is, who it's for. The other thing I was going to say about the judicial opinion specifically is Mm -hmm. there is traditionally with government documents, there's this notion that this is for the in group. Uh Uh-huh. So the the three-page cover page on the judicial opinion, it actually, it does have information that's necessary. So it has the case number for the lower court. It has the mm-hmm. name of all of the plaintiffs and all of the defendants. And it's it's organized in such a way that it's consistent with the other filings. Yeah. But it's not at all dumbed down to be more readable if oh, you're no. not a person in that world. No, not at all. Right. I, like, talk about burying the lead. There's three pages. Yes. 
And then there's a summary before you even get to the what the judges actually wrote. Yep. I, I was like, get to the point already. Right. Just like, tell me what the conclusion is. I think that's starting to change with some things. I think right. that there is more of a social media. People are aware that they're trying to communicate to the public and they are going for readability and get to the bottom line, keep it really simple. Yes. But when you do see something that is super official looking, a lot of times it's not it's not written for a seventh grade reading level, right? It's not for the general public. It's for the in-group. Right. I actually had a super interesting contract several years ago that was for a forensic accounting firm. I don't know if you remember this, but basically what they do is they are accountants who go and testify in court. And so part of their job is to present whatever the issue is. Like I remember one of them was like, this trucking company exceeded the number of miles that was going to be reimbursed through the company insurance plan. Anyway, and so, so they're like expert witnesses. They're expert witnesses, basically. At trials. And, Interesting. And my job was to design the PowerPoints that they would click through for the jury. Oh, that's super interesting. Which was super interesting because I, I had to do two things. One, I had to make it understandable, which first of all, I'm like, this is hard for me to understand. I would have to sit down with the accountant and be like, okay, walk me through this, you know? Yes. And sometimes they'd like hastily draw out okay, you have these four CEOs and when they split their company, they had these shares and they had, you know, all these things. So I had to make it understandable, but I also couldn't make it too cutesy because we wanted to make sure that our accountants were viewed as the expert and that they couldn't be discredited. Right. So it was this fine line of, and and I basically helped create their brand where I was like, we're going to use the same library of symbols every time. So this this particular dollar symbol represents $100,000. And we're going to use it this same way, in this same color, in this same format every time. Interesting. This shape with three people in a circle, that represents a company of at least 100 employees, you know, or whatever it was. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. That's really what government programs have to do or any public system has to do because they have to make it understandable, but they have to maintain a very, very high level of authority. Right. And integrity, right? Right. You're accounting to the public for, you paid us all your taxes. What are we doing with it? Right. You're the people who print your money. You want it to look authoritative. Well, and then it gets into this whole world of the visual representation of information, which is very easy to manipulate because you can skew graphs and use icons that make it look like it's a lot more money that was lost than it really was. Right. Anyway, and that's not so much my expertise anymore, but that was something that I took really seriously because I was the way that I design this influences whether the client that my boss is representing is found guilty or not. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it was super super interesting. interesting. The other thing I was going to say about what makes something look like it's from the government beyond just like government documents, I think we also have this sense of political campaigns national parks, signage, patriotic stuff where you get more into the red, white, and blue. Yes. Military type designs. I think all of those are are balancing that same line where they're leaning towards the authority more than being understood. Yeah, I see that too. There's something about having a flag in the background of whatever you write that's like, Mm -hmm. oh, either this is going to be a 4th of July advertisement Mm -hmm. or it's from the government. Well, and one thing that I've noticed is that official government agencies will typically only use one color. It will either be red, white, or blue, but it's most often just one color. And it's usually tangential, want to be perceived as government authorities who are using the red, white, and blue background altogether. Yeah, that to me reads a little bit rah-rah. Yes, yes. It's like, like we want to make sure me? that we know... Whereas somebody who's sitting there with a Navy background and the presidential seal behind them isn't, I hope they know that I love this country. Right. You know? Yeah. I was curious to hear if there are any other than color, which we just touched on, Mm -hmm. like visual cues that read very governmental to you. I'm thinking about presidential seals Mm -hmm. or money or the design of official government buildings. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think there's like a stereotype. Like I was saying that government things are boring. Yeah. 
I prefer to think that if you know me, you know that my favorite movie is National Treasure. And so I'm like, I prefer to think of some of the more ancient symbols or colonial symbols of freedom and what's the word that I'm looking for? The idea of freedom from oppression, wanting to be their own, but also like a strong sense of community. Mm-hmm. And so like and the things, structure too. And structure. So I think a lot, you know, buildings that we have that are representative of ancient Greek or ancient Roman buildings. So all the columns, that's what I think. Right. Of. Right. Like that feels somehow. The marble. Yeah. Somehow American. Um, I think like that capital dome. Yeah. That shape to me feels very American. And then oftentimes anything that is engraved when it's engraved in stone, or even if it, even if your text just has a slight shadow to it, I think that can feel like it is governmental in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I also think a lot of things, the all-seeing eye, you know, the pyramids, I was saying that seal, like the eagle, the scroll, all of those things feel like government symbols. I think sometimes it's hard if you want something to be official to find the right thing. You can obviously use the American flag, but you know, you want it to have the right tone. Like a lot of times the Eagle seal is an armed forces symbol, you know? And so I've worked on political campaigns in the past and it's like, okay, what symbols do we use that feel patriotic without being overtly one thing or another? So like, I feel like a lot of people use stars. A lot of people will even use triangles, just like a simple triangle shape. You'll notice a lot of political campaigns will use some form of pillars in their design. So it's not overtly a column, but it's like this concept of, I am founded on these four principles. Right. So I see a lot of I see a lot of swooshes, kind of reminiscent of the stripes of the American flag. So there's a lot of the waving flag motion. Yeah. And I think there's kind of two things going on. One is that you don't want to misuse a government symbol. You don't want to represent the wrong thing. And you also want to make it really simple. So if you're doing a big billboard, you don't have time to have people look at a super detailed image. But if you do a couple of a three wave under the last letter of your last name, it's like, oh, that's the flag, you know? Right. And then we could get into the whole thing. We don't have to talk about this, but let's just for a moment can you imagine in your head somebody who's running for office, the kind of pictures that they take? Like they are yeah, it's all always like, the same. They're all the same. It's studio photography, I feel like. Yes. You're indoors yes. and there's kind of a shadow on part of your face. Yes. yes. And you're it's wearing like a suit a with your arms bit, folded. Yep. It's a little bit harsh light and you're always wearing a suit. And if you're a woman, you're wearing a blazer and you're either wearing a necktie type thing or pearls. Yeah. Like that's it. That's Those are the options. <laughs> Those are the options. Yeah. It does feel a little bit stifling. A lot of the symbols that you talked about, I can see them in my mind and I'm, oh yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that looks like Washington DC. That looks like America, mm-hmm. but they're also really hard to modernize. Government documents aren't written on a scroll anymore. Right. But that's right. the symbol that we associate with. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you remember, but when the musical Hamilton was coming out, there was a oh, petition to take him off of what's he on the twenty dollar bill, ten dollar bill? I think oh, it's not the twenty dollar bill. It's like the fifty or something. It's got to be something weird. So the five is Lincoln. Yeah, the five is Lincoln. The, hun- the hundo is Benjamin, Benjamin. Franklin. Yeah, Holla. all about the Benjamins. Exactly, we know that. It might be the ten. I think it's the ten because I feel like I never have ten dollar bills. I have either fives or twenties. Yeah, and I was I don't even remember what that looks like. Well, and it's also ironic that they were trying to get rid of him because Alexander Hamilton is founder of the National Bank. This dude loved money. I know. Like, like he more deserves than, to be on it. Yeah, more than anyone else, he probably deserves to be on there. Well, they wanted to replace him with Harriet Tubman, which I thought was cool because we don't have any women on our money. But right. it was basically the popularity of Hamilton that kept that from happening. Because people so were, if you're about Wait to a be second. canceled, all you need is someone to write a musical about you and yeah. you will be saved. Not someone. Lin-Manuel Miranda. If he Although, writes your one hit wonder. He's he's like really stretching himself thin these days. I feel like he's working on everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I liked Hamilton. I liked Moana. I cannot stand Encanto. Encanto, I feel like the third time I saw it, it clicked for me. Mm, okay. Maybe I'll give it another try. The first time I was just so hurt by the grandma's actions. <laughs> yeah. These poor grandmas between Abuelo in Abuela in Coco. 
and Abuela in Encanto. I'm like, they're not always mean. Well, it's because the Disney Corporation hates mothers. And then they were like, okay, we can't keep having dead moms. Yeah. They're like, okay, you'll have a functional family, but your grandma's going to be awful to you. Yes. All of the princesses have dead moms and evil stepmothers. To circle back, do you feel like Hamilton looks governmental, the branding of Hamilton? Oh, that's an interesting question. It definitely does. They have the star. They have the star and he's wearing like a soldier uniform. Colonial, yeah. And there's the all caps serif font. But I really think what Mm -hmm. makes it look more governmental or early American is the textured parchment background that they use. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. It's kind of goldish tan. It looks like it's on, you know, the back of the Declaration of Independence, which we already know the map is there. So the map is there. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's really what does it. And I actually love the way that they modernized Hamilton. I mean, not so much design choices, but the way that they cast against race, the way that they use modern music styles, I think is an interesting way of of doing what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that's true. In contrast to some of the good examples we've talked about, I want want to address bad government design. (laughs) And I'm mostly thinking about public service announcements, but also some of the just the signage that is everywhere. Yes. I don't know who to blame for this, but this is my personal vendetta. This is the first example of the bad branding. We'll talk about more. Yeah. Every time you walk towards a door and it's going to open automatically, Mm -hmm. the sign in the yellow circle says automatic caution door. Mm -hmm. It should say caution, comma, automatic door. Yes. Yes. There's so many things in signage where... I get it. You don't want to use punctuation because it can slow down what you're reading, but it cracks me up because I'm like, just a simple tweak here could make this make so much more sense. And really the issue is that you're supposed to read caution first. And so they put that in the middle, but they didn't make it big enough. So instead you just read it top to bottom, automatic caution door. Well, and I I have this problem with monograms too, right? Mm -hmm. In your monogram, the biggest one is in the middle because it's your surname and then your initials go around it. And I'm like, have we forgotten what you learned when you were four years old or five years old learning to read, which is you read right to left and top to bottom. I know. Don't do this weird out of order thing. It doesn't work. But I also think monograms come from a time where your surname was more important and more identifiable now we're all about the first names that's true we don't address people right we don't don't address people as sir or madam anymore and so we're more identifiable by our first names it's also there's just too many of us to remember everybody's names and so and and to have so many of the same names and so we have to distinguish ourselves so i think that's really the issue with the monogram but the other problem is what do you do instead make your middle initial the biggest one Yeah. Or just have them all be the same size. Yeah. The other thing, so along these same lines, you'll have to answer eventually, why did someone do this? But the same problem, I don't know if this was from a government or for a nonprofit, but it was a public service announcement Mm -hmm. at the Vegas airport. And it was anti-human trafficking ad. And it said in red text against a dark background, Uh kids, and then under the word kids, Uh it said in white, not, and then next to that, it said uh-huh. for sale in red. Mm-hmm. So if you read it, again, the way that we're all taught to read, mm-hmm. which is left to right, mm-hmm. it said kids for sale, not. Yes. And I was like, what are they trying to say? And then I looked at all these pictures of these scared, decrepit kids. And I was like, oh, <laughs> they're trying to say kids are not for sale. <laughs> but I was like, what idiot designed this? I know. I know. You have to be really careful when you break cardinal rules, like the left to right reading thing, that it is so, so obvious what word you're calling attention to. I'm sure if they had made it a different color or moved it to a slightly different place, it would have read way better. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, this is going to be a sad backfire when people are calling the nonprofit to be like, hello, I would like to purchase a child. And they're like, no, no, not for sale, not for sale. I mean, maybe that works for them. That's how they catch the bad guys. That is, if that's if that was their goal, I actually would say kudos. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was. I saw a billboard. Okay, so 
we just drove to Utah and I took pictures of all the bad signage that I saw. I really should turn it into an Instagram post because it was so fun. One of the signs that we kept seeing was for a inner city youth mentorship kind of program. Not exactly uh-huh. sure. And it wasn't bad design. It was bad messaging because it said, it said something like ignite the passion of our youth, donate used clothing to this. And I just kept thinking that they were going to burn the the used clothing to somehow ignite the passion. I was just like, I'm not sure why you're using the word ignite. And then the, the design of it was this kid deviously holding a pile of clothes. <laughs> and I was just, I feel I think they like there's the a word disconnect ign- here. Yeah, there's a disconnect here. And I think they like the word ignite because it can speak to giving somebody the fuel that they need to grow their dreams, to rise above their environment kind of thing. But it just reads fire to me and old clothes starting a fire. I was like, this is not working for you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it did get us talking. So the other sign that I loved, which I thought was actually great branding was for an old junkyard. And it was painted on the back of a ginormous piece of cardboard from a utility fridge or something. And it said quality junk. Oh, and God was like, how would you redesign that? And I was like, I wouldn't. I think it's perfect as is. Which is better brand, brand. quality junk or happy taxes? (laughs) I'm like, I could give it a bougie brand and then people would be disappointed when they walked into the store. Yeah. Sometimes it's just great how it is. Oh, I love that. So I had a question. Yeah. I don't know if this fits within the category. It might be kind of a pivot. That's okay. But I was curious from a branding perspective, what do you think about it when a government agency, and by that I mean something that is not a person or an elected official, mm-hmm. but when, what, like, for example, when the FBI is acting like they're your friend. Yes. Or they're trying to be relatable. And I think when you say this, you mostly mean on social media. I don't know I anyone mean on in the FBI media. who's trying to be my friend. I don't know if if they're doing would their I job, know? you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. And I, I think I see this a lot on social media where it's, oh, we have embodied the voice of a mm-hmm. 17-year-old. Yeah. Even though we're tweeting about share your tips here for the right. FBI. The best example I can think of is I one day went on a very deep dive into the TSA's website trying to figure out what I could and couldn't bring. Oh my God. Carry on because I'm a cheapskate. And so- It actually had some very useful information if you're a parent about bringing food for your baby or bringing formula or breast milk and all Mm -hmm. of that. I was like, wow, this is nice that it's publicly available. But there also is a section on there that says magic eight balls. Oh, no. Who is bringing a magic eight ball with them to the airport? Well, here's the thing. There's probably just like some some like disgruntled copywriter who's just doing all the technical manuals for TSA. And then one day they were like, I must break free. Yes. Anyways, so for Magic 8-Ball, it says, can you bring a Magic 8-Ball in your carry-on? Science point to no. Oh, can you, can you bring it in your checked bag? Absolutely. That is hilarious. Also, only you would ever find this because nobody else cares enough to go that deep in the TSA website. Nobody else reads TSA's website, but I like being the person that I am, I've read basically all of it. So I've read Mm -hmm. all the copy and I was that one I actually thought was kind of fun and charming. Yeah. But when you have, when the FBI is like quoting Taylor Swift lyrics. Yes. Is that something that you think is effective? Is it grading? Can it damage your brand? I, I personally think it's super grating and obnoxious, but I think the, the general rule is it depends on how public facing you are and how you need the public to feel about you. In my mind, the FBI doesn't need the public to like them very much. Maybe that's not true. So they probably don't need to do as much work. The TSA, they are very public facing. They really need people to like them more than they do. And so I think they have a big challenge to make themselves likable. And if you compare, this is a side tangent, but if you compare TSA agents to like the clear people at the airport, uh huh, you can see how that brand has trickled down, down, down all the way to the employees because the TSA people look like they hate their lives and the clear people are wearing cute gingham checkered shirts and they look like they just broke out of Chick-fil-A and they're like, how can I help you? Let's skip this line. Just scan your eyeballs right here. 
the TSA agents are repeating from a rote script. Mm-hmm. They're like, laptops out of your bag. Mm-hmm. They're wearing a bulletproof vest. And then they're like, oh, I have to grope another person because they're wi- like, they didn't take something out of their pocket. Right. And the clear people are like, hey, we have all your biometric data, but isn't it fun? Have a, have a free mask. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. So in going back to your original question of brands trying to be human or be friendly or developing their own personas, it's always a good idea for your brand to develop a personality. But I don't think that means that your brand has to always be a hey girl personality. Yeah. I think you can, if you're the FBI, you can still be serious. Yeah. You know, we mentioned this before, but I am not a fan of all brands everywhere producing memes and becoming memes and just every everything is a meme. Yeah. Like again, I think it's it's low-hanging fruit because it's funny and people will share it and it's, you know, it's easy to like. Really think about what you want your brand to be long term. How do you want to be perceived? Do you want people to see you as a joke? Do you want people yeah. to see you as not really knowing what you're doing? Yeah. Do you think it's okay for a brand to have different messaging strategies? Absolutely. I mean, this sounds so obvious for different mediums. So yeah. there, you know, those signs on the freeway mm-hmm. that are in little lights. And sometimes they'll say crash on 95, use alternate routes. Uh-huh. Sometimes in Nevada, they'll they'll just have like a fun little rhyme. Yes. And sometimes it's still like a PSA, stay alive, don't text and drive. Right. But then Ours when on the, the 4th of July was, you're not a firework, don't get lit. Yeah, I've seen that one. When the when the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup, they would put a bunch of hockey terms up there and then it would be uh DUIs are bad. <laughs> I was maybe this makes sense to someone who's more into hockey than I am. But anyways, so some of those were attention grabbing and I was yeah, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. But it was weird to me to be every other day it's telling me how many people have died on the freeways in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's oh, but today we're just gonna entertain you. Yes. Yeah. I think that is a a classic case of somebody somewhere made them funny and it was a disruption and it was interesting and it kind of worked. And so everybody everywhere thought, oh, that's what we should do too. And again, it works, right? The first hundred times that you do that, it's interesting and it catches your attention, all those things. But then at some point it becomes confusing. Yeah. And so I think you sacrifice the short-term win of being funny today or for this season in order to make sure that people know, hey, this is our message and we want to get across. Yeah. And that might be like, hey, we want a little bit of humor in there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think I think maybe rhyming is the right level. Stay alive, don't text and drive. Yeah. But it's not, you're not making a big joke. You're not calling out things. I think there's kind of a a line in there that we're all so determined to stay relevant and try new things. Right. And again, I just think it's a short-term, it's a short-term gain. Yeah. I think that's true too about just what you were saying about everything becoming a meme account. Yes. I think it initially people are so desperate just for the attention Mm -hmm. that everybody's trying to go viral. So they're like, oh, right now, what's the thing right now? Barbie. Mm -hmm. Barbie and Oppenheimer memes. So can we do something with either Margot Robbie's face on it or an explosion behind us? And that'll yes. somehow get us enough retweets or enough shares on Instagram to keep us relevant. Right. Right. And I do, again, I think it works and I think it can yeah. be on brand, but that doesn't mean that it is always on brand. I think there's different ways to humanize your brand. And we kind of mm. think that the only way to do it is to be a pal, Right. Right. Be the younger brother who sends you a bunch of memes. Like that's kind of if you follow Wendy's on Twitter, that's their vibe. Or I'm thinking of like Pop Tarts. Yes. Yes. They're like, is ravioli a Pop Tart? <laughs> like, that's great. That's one way to do it. And I think that's probably on brand for Pop Tart. Right. Because Pop Tarts aren't a serious, no offense, right. if you're eating them for breakfast, but they're not a serious food. They're not serious. They're not extremely high value and they're not expensive. Mm-hmm. I think if, you're one of those things, then the way that you humanize your brand is a little bit different. So one of the things that I ask my clients is what kind of tone do you want to take in your messaging and what kind of relationship do you want your brand to have with your clients or your consumers? 
So these people who are going for this peer kind of relationship where they're buddies or they're friends, that's not always right for every brand. I think the more expensive or high value you are, the more aspirational your brand should be. You should be a leader. You should be a mentor. You should have a coach tone of voice, right? Mm. That's less, we're at the same level making jokes kind of thing. Interesting. So I think there's just nuance there that you have to approach because people don't necessarily want Nike to be their BFF. They want Nike to show them what's possible. They want Nike. And that's why they're, yeah, their spokespeople are not average Joes, right? Their spokespeople are professional athletes. They are Olympians. Yes. And even when they use, like, I just watched this great ad with Serena Williams for Nike and the whole thing was. When men do something, when when men speak strongly, they're shrewd. When women do it, they're shrill kind of thing like this back and forth. Yeah. Anyway, and then the whole thing was like, people will think you're crazy until you do it. But even the way that she was speaking, even though it was casual words, you could tell that she had a maturity and a seriousness in her voice. Right. And I think that's what's lacking sometimes is like, we just want to make everything funny. We want to make everything casual. And we think that's the only way that our brand can yeah. succeed. And that's not true. I do remember during the 2016 election, there was a lot of criticism of Hillary Clinton's campaign for things like this, mm. that she would the tweet I'm remembering in particular was she asked about some policy initiative, right? Okay. And I would say remembering as a consumer of political media in that time, her brand was, she's so knowledgeable. She has so much experience. Yeah. But she had asked, how do you feel about X? And the tragedy of this is I cannot remember what X was. (laughs) How do you feel about X? Tell us in three emojis or less. Okay. And and people were just like, this is pandering. You're the wrong generation. You don't use emojis. We know this is written by a staffer. And like, you're a policy wonk. Right. You should be asking a policy question. Right. This isn't a criticism of her politics. And again, it was very new. People are experimenting in new media and trying to get the word out. Right. And it did draw a lot of attention to it. But I think things like that happen a lot where... 100%. You know, people... I liked what you said about a hey girl brand or a hey buddy brand. Yep. And if if you're trying to be official or you're trying to get people to take things seriously, which is what government is, Mm -hmm. it's trying to motivate a large group of people Mm -hmm. to obey a social contract, which is really hard to do. Right. You probably can't. I don't know what you would say. What's what's the level above Hey Girl and Hey Buddy? I think you can still have a friend, but it's it's a a friend who's more serious. Yeah, it's it's a sincere, it's a coworker. It's a, mm. I'm here for you. I, the example that I use, which is not a great verbal example, but you're on a walk together, but one person is holding the flashlight. Okay. That's the time. I like that. So yeah. instead of a, Hey girl, how's it going? It's I'm going to lead the way. Come with me. Yeah. Walk alongside me. That's the, that's the approach, you know? So a good example of this, I think that is actually a government brand. Mm-hmm. So the GSA, that's the Government Services Administration, and they're in charge of all federal building nationwide. So okay, I literally did not even know they existed. <laughs> yes, you don't know they exist, but they control your life because if you work in a federal building, they decide when the AC turns on and off. Oh, interesting. So they're very powerful, but pretty much unknown until. Yeah you are working in a federal building and then you're trying to do something very basic, right. obtain a space heater, and they, you find out that you can't because GSA has prohibited it. Right. Anyways, but they have this they have this campaign to try and get employees to use the stairs instead of the elevator. Uh-huh. And it's called, it's called Consider the Stairs. I love that. And I, I just think it's really clever how they've done it because it's not, it's not shaming. It's not yeah. condescending. And it's a little bit funny, but it's not intended to be like laugh out loud funny. Yeah. So you'll just see by the elevator bank, there there will be a sign and it says, this email could have been a meeting. Consider the stairs. I love that. I really like that. The other one I like says, avoid awkward silences. Consider the stairs. Oh my gosh. That one hits close to home because I used to take the stairs at a certain time of day. I worked on the fifth floor. Solely to avoid somebody in my office who would take the elevator and I didn't want to 
be next to No, them. I have totally been there. <laughs> but I, I just thought that was a good example. Like you were saying, this is how you talk if you're speaking to a coworker or an equal. Right. I'm trying to encourage you to change your behavior. Right. But in a way that is a little bit authoritative and it can still have a sense of humor, but it's not condescending or it's not patronizing. Yes. Well, and it kind of goes back to focusing your brand on the people that you're trying to help or serve versus focusing your brand about yourself. And I think there's times for both of those, but I think you should be strategic about if my brand is really about the people that we want to take the stairs, we're not going to make all these jokes about our agency. We're just going to gently encourage people to consider the stairs. That's the goal. Yeah. I love that example. Thank you for sharing. And I think it's just a challenge for any business to have the same message over and over and over and over and over again without people starting to tune it out, but it can be done. I worked yeah. on campaigns for Smokey the Bear. You did? Yes, I did. The real the real campaign, not spec work, real campaigns. And they oh have gosh. the strictest brand guidelines of any brand that I've ever worked on. Ooh, interesting. It's super interesting. They have a bunch of do's and do nots for like how you can use Smokey's image. Yeah. They have a whole list of things there. And you'll notice this now that you have heard this from me, but their campaigns, they they don't do paragraphs. It has to be one sentence. Interesting. And there's like a whole list of words that you can't use, not because they're bad, but just because they sound too lofty or too academic. It's supposed to be for an eighth grade reading level. No Mm -hmm. less, no more. Anyway, and it was such a good challenge for us because everything we think of has already been done. This yeah. is a this is a brand that has been around for a hundred years. But if you start brainstorming, all of a sudden all of these things come to you. And we came up with hundreds of ideas. And what were you, you what was it, the campaign for? Like what was the object? It's all for the same thing. It's this was for putting your fire out. Okay. Yeah. So right now the I think the campaign is too hot to touch, too hot to leave. Interesting. But they did a Smokey the Bear hug or something. And it, but there were a bunch of limitations because Smokey the Bear, he's supposed to be personable, but he is not yeah. silly. Yeah, he's not Yogi Bear. Right. He's the he's the authority mm-hmm. in this. He wears that little ranger's cap. You know he's in charge. Yes. Well, and it was so interesting to see how they had slightly tweaked his image over time because he actually is looking more and more human. And less and less like a bear. So I think there is something to that. Yeah. But they have a very clear idea of who he is and what he does. And to their credit, people know exactly who Smokey the Bear is and what he wants them to do. There's no doubt about whether forest fires are cool or not. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. What do you think about the choice to name him Smokey? Yeah, I think that is super interesting. I have I don't know anything about the context of how his name came to be. I do know that they there was like a pitch basically that said we should use a forest animal to promote fire safety in the woods. Interesting. And it was, oh, well, it's going to be like, it'll be a rabbit and that didn't really work. And it, they wanted it to be a deer and that was too soft. Anyway, they went through this whole thing like we did when we were creating this brand of what is the vibe that we want to have? And they're like, we want it to be a bear. Yeah. Something we want it to be people- tall. We want it to be a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Something that people are a little bit afraid of, something that commands your attention. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, I think it worked because when standing, bears are the most human like of woodland creatures. Yeah. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating. They have a fascinating brand. And you think, oh, well, that's because their message is so simple, right? Like it's so easy. Only you can prevent forest fires. If I had a concept that simple, it would work for me too. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. You have to simplify your message and you have to repeat it for a hundred years and then people will get it. Well, and honestly, at least thinking in the government context, the message is pretty simple. Obey traffic laws, obey street signs, pay your taxes, clean up after your dog. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say vote. When we were driving through New Mexico, there there were all these signs that said, safety corridor speeds double in the safety corridor kind of thing. I literally don't even know what a safety corridor is, but there were probably a hundred signs for it over the course of, I don't know, two hours. Yeah. And I was telling Cobb, 
if you think that you are talking about your business too much, you just need to have the confidence of some of these street signs. <laughs> Every hundred yards, there's a new sign that's like, do not speed, fines double in the safety corridor. It's yes. over and over and over again. And I, I tell my clients this, like repetition is the key to good marketing. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not that the message is complicated. It's just that people, people forget and people don't comply. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes they need to be told. I, I think about the person who was the first guy to be like, Hey, what if we told people how fast they were going Yes. instead of just telling them how fast they should go? Yes. And what if we put those two numbers side by side? And if you're going two miles over the speed limit, it's going to flash at you. Right. Somebody had to think through all of those things. The problems aren't new, right? right. Most of the most of the branding problems for your clients are probably not new. It's just right. finding new ways to get people to do what they know they should do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to mention the standardization of street signs because Ooh, interesting. I think it's just a really interesting design choice. So in the States, all your street signs are basically, there's like that green that tells you where everything is. And then you have your warning signs that are mostly white and yellow. And then stop signs are the only ones that are red. And I think that all of this, so there's something called design thinking or design systems. Mm -hmm. And this is not necessarily my area of expertise, but it's the concept that we can create a language through design choices that helps communicate things faster. So Street signs are a perfect example of this because the only time you ever see anything red is when you are supposed to stop. It's the most important one. If you ignore all the others, at least you will stop at the stop sign. Right. So that's reserved. They don't use that anywhere else. If it's just directional, right, doesn't tell you what to do. It just gives you information. It's green. Yeah. Which is neutral, right? At a stoplight, that Mm -hmm. means go. So on the road, you're like, yep, I just drive past these green signs. And then you have warning signs, which are things to consider, things to do, things to be aware of. Those are your yellow and white signs. And so they've used, even if you even if you couldn't read, right? Yeah. Like my kids can't read, but they understand that red means stop, yellow means watch out. Yeah. You know, and then we use pictures and all these other things to communicate that. And I, shapes too, and right? Shapes. Like the shape of a stop sign is different than the triangle of a yield sign. And how weird is it that stop signs are octagons? Have we talked about that? Don't you think that'd be kind of hard to cut that out of metal? I've always wondered why they just didn't do a square. I think they probably talked to somebody and they were, oh, the square signs are too easy to block. Yeah. Or people ignore them. So, okay, do a circle. And then they were like, no, a circle is round and right. they'll keep rolling. And so it has to be jagged. Oh, right. make it an octagon. <laughs> right. Well, and now the shape of an octagon is so intertwined with the idea of stopping that even if you see that away from a street sign, it evokes those feelings. Yeah. And I really think that a lot of these design choices have transferred to our digital world where Mm -hmm. if you put your password in right, you get a little green arrow. And if you put your password in wrong, it's a red X. Mm -hmm. That that seems obvious when you think about where it comes from. Well, because in the real world, red means stop, green means go. And so our UI design systems are using the language that we already know. Yeah. And then we get into, I was just going to mention the typography thing because I think it's super interesting. The way, so you know that all freeway signs and stuff, they all use that same font. Mm -hmm. And it's a super interesting font. If you've tried to use it for anything else, it's not, I don't really love the font, but it's very, very easy to read. It's the fastest. It's a sans serif font, right? Yeah, it's a sans serif font. And what they have is it's a low descenders and low ascenders. And that's just a fancy word for how tall the letters are, like Bs and Ds, that little line that sticks right. up. And how low your Ys and your Gs stick down. And so, so both I of those are like shorter. They're kind of condensed. I thought that was, that's interesting that that makes it easy to read because I thought if you make something all caps, mm-hmm. it's harder for people to read quickly because they can't see the variation in height. Right. Yeah. So the way that your eye reads letters is you actually don't read each individual letter. You read the shape of the word. So if you picture the word shape, you're not looking at the letters. You're looking at the outline of the word. So the tall Mm -hmm. S-H, low A, hanging P, low E, right? 
Yeah. And so the faster your brain can see that shape, the faster you can read things overall. Interesting. So sometimes if your eye is having to go up really high for that H and really low for the P, that can slow you down. So they shorten that just a little bit. Mm, Okay. It's not as great for reading books when it's in small print, but when it's in large print, it really, you really do read it really fast. You can probably read street signs faster than you can read billboards, even though billboards are more interesting designed. Right. Interesting. I just thought that was an interesting thing to note. Yeah. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is the standardization of people and the way that we draw people for government things. Yes. Yes. The stick figure. Yeah. So tell it's not it's not really even a stick figure. It's the circle head. Yes. The rounded limbs. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to describe, but it's it, the circle for a head. And then mm-hmm. there's like a five point body, but the yep. edges where your hands and feet would be are rounded instead of square. Yes. And so like, tell us about the sign that you saw when you were in California. Yes. Okay. So I was in California recently and I did happen to go to Disneyland. Woohoo. I did lucky me and I did not bring my child. That's so it was really, really fun. The real thing. Anyways, but I was noticing on, and Disneyland is not a government entity, dot, 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 yet. <laughs> but on all of the rides, they would have, you know, you'd get verbal instructions and then they'd also have these little stickers on them. They had some words. And then they had these symbols and the symbols were driving me crazy because the first one would be a big stick figure and a little stick figure. So I was like, okay, parent and child. Uh And in the first one, they're sitting down with their seatbelts on and there's nothing happening. They're just sitting there, but it's not prohibited, right? It's in the circle and it's not crossed out. Okay. And then next to them would be another big and little stick figure, but they would be standing up and kind of crooked. (laughs) They're like like waving their hands in the air. Yeah. So it wasn't clear to me what, and that was crossed out with like a red X or a circle okay. slash. Okay. But there so were you're so like, many we're allowed to have We're allowed to sit here and be quiet, but we're not allowed to have a good time. Is that what you're telling us? Right. So the first one, it was, okay, so they're holding hands. So we're not allowed to break hands or they're wearing seatbelts and they're not, or they're sitting and they're standing, or they look like they're really bored, but these people look like they're having a great time. <laughs> yeah. We're not allowed to have a great time at Disneyland. <laughs> Anyways, so I just thought, I think that just is a sign that you're trying to be so clear that you're Mm -hmm. communicating non-verbally, right? You're trying to draw an image that a three-year-old child can tell that's an adult and that's a child. Right. Well, did they use any color? Because I feel The only color was the circle slash. Okay. Because I feel like, imagine if you had those two signs next to each other and one was with a green background and one was with the red circle slash. Yeah. Or one had a green check mark behind you. I feel like that would answer 75% of the questions of which of the what which of these am I supposed to am I supposed to copy? What am I supposed right, to do like with this I'm information? I'm on a roller coaster. I'm not supposed to have fun. Yes. We were laughing because we took our kids to the trampoline park and on the screens at the trampoline park they have videos playing of how to stay safe at the trampoline park. And so they have don't do any flips and then it's a video of an employee doing a flip. Yeah. But I was laughing because It says across the bottom, do not flip, do not jump on the walls, do not throw balls or whatever. But the video was showing people doing these things. And I thought the kids who are here can't read. So all they see is you doing the things that you don't want them to do. (laughs) Seems like a flaw in your design. And some employees seems like a great time. Yeah. The design is emphasizing non-compliance. Exactly. Exactly. It seems so obvious that we see it all the time. And then we wonder why these things don't work for us. Yeah. I don't know where the stick figures came from. I follow an artist who talks about how drawing a different style of stick figures where rather than the arms coming out from the body, you give them a body Uh and how that's so much more expressive and you can do so many more things with that. I think it must just be what is the simplest way that we can communicate that this is a human. Yeah. Because even your standard style stick figures, they are, there's not a gender associated with them. It's not a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. It's just a person. And I think it's as we've evolved and we're like, hey, we want to know whose bathroom this is. They're like, oh, I guess we have to make one that looks like a girl. Well, she'll wear a triangle dress because that looks good. (laughs) 
they're like, uh, for girls, we'll cover up most of their body parts because they're girls. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see if that's something that evolves where they add more detail or whether it stays really, really simple. My favorite yeah. personally is the hard hat stick figure. Mm. I've seen that one where they're getting shocked by the electric. It's like, do not open. And there's the zolts coming out of their body. Yes. Or they slip on the ground. Those are my favorite. Yeah. And who decided that the stick figure was exclusively safety related? Yeah, see, that's what I don't know either. Except my assumption is somewhere in city planning, government usage, they're like, hey, we have to use the same signs everywhere to mean the same thing. Yeah. I even took a picture when we were in St. George. We went to a little, it was like a little Main Street kind of shop. And there were a bunch of different stores and they had one of those signs. I know that you've seen these where it points all the different directions. So it had the name of the restaurant, the name of the store, the name of the cookie shop or whatever, and it pointed you which way to go. But because they were all branded according to what they were, it was actually really hard to read it and know where I was looking and know where I was trying to go. And so I was thinking, okay, there's a reason that we have this standardization with directions. Right. It saves time. It provides clarity. It makes things a lot easier. So I think someone back there was, it has to be the same. Everyone has to use the same stick figure. I'm sorry. If you have a wet floor, you have to use this yellow cone. And whoever sells those (laughs) just has a monopoly on the whole thing and everyone just buys them from them. Yeah. But you'll notice a, a few brands will invest in their own signage. Chick-fil-A, for example, they have their own stop signs in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A and they are in their brand font. Interesting. Yeah. Which they need because there's always such a long line at their drive throughs Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I feel like I could go on about that, but that that basically covers yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to sum up what I think we've talked about today and you tell me if I missed anything. Okay. So I think when we're talking about what makes something official, there is a use of simplicity. Mm-hmm. Really simple shapes, basic colors, mm-hmm. and also something for at least American government mm-hmm. history and tradition. Yes. Especially when it comes to like traditional fonts. Yep, definitely. And then things that we think are bad government branding is usually just bad messaging in general. Like if it's difficult yes. to read, if it's confusing, mm-hmm. if it's, if, I honestly think trying too hard can be a flaw. I think so too. Yeah, it's trying to be something you're not. Trying to be something you're not. Trying to be popular when you're really just trying to be in charge. Yes. Yes. And then the the value of standardization and sticking to your brand values. Yeah. So I think this is actually pretty applicable, even if you're not a government brand. But I think it is helpful, especially if you want to be an authority figure or like take it seriously. Absolutely. I think there's a lot that we can learn from them. I think this was so good. I would be so curious to know if any of our listeners have experience with political campaigns or working with public figures or anything like that. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next time for a brand challenge. Talk to you soon. Yes, we will. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 